have an opportunity this morning to hear from our apostolic overseer, uh, Dennis Peacock. I came into relationship with Dennis. Now it's been nine years ago, which is which is pretty amazing how the years just begin to stack up and build one upon the other. And uh, I'm not going to take too much time. I'm just going to let you know that we belong to a fellowship and a family of churches that has been in existence now for over 40 years. It's called Kingdom Ministries USA. It's a subsidiary of Kingdom Ministries International, which uh, a lot of ministers uh, and, the, and the outworking of the charismatic renewal began pulling together, looking for uh, a people and a government to connect with and to fellowship with. And uh, they were all drawn to Dennis and Jan, and they formed that network. And it's been it's been around now for for forty years. So so we're a part of a great legacy. We're still learning that legacy, and we're still connecting with other family members in it. Dennis, if you'd come up and and share the word of God with us this morning, we're so grateful you're here with us. Help me welcome Dennis Peacock. Thank you, Jade. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Uh, my better half is here. Jam, would you stand up? I tried to get her to share, but she's got a throat irritation this morning. Jan and I have been together 50 years. It looks like it's going to last. And uh, anyone who has been a partner with me for 50 years deserves special rewards. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well, I'm not going to fool around much as I would like to. I've got uh, a lot of Irish in me. And uh, the older I get, the more the Irish comes up. The Irish love to joke and full of nonsense and And in the world we live in, I think the ability to joke and be full of nonsense is a gift. Because it's pretty pretty heavy. I'll come back to some of that. Turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. I am going to deal with what I consider to be as major an issue as I can think of, but as in all major issues, it's very important the way we approach it. How many of you besides me want to approach truth carefully? Truth is like a diamond. It has many facets. And uh, that's one of the things the church has to learn if we're ever gonna come to unity is because you see a facet of the truth does not mean you see all facets of the truth. So, and that's why we have so many denominations. Peter here is giving us his closing uh, final word admonition. Uh, How many of you besides me have questions you want to ask various people when you get home? I've got, obviously, a few for Jesus. He has reshuffled my questions. You know, as you age, you get different questions than the ones you started with. I certainly have some questions for Paul and the questions for Peter and questions for David. And uh, isn't it going to be wonderful that we will be able to draw on their wisdom 
and their point of view. Their stories will come to life in a way that will make us say, oh, that's what that was all about. And then we will be momentarily tempted to say, why didn't you go? Get, I was going to get that the first time. Many of you know there may be a few people who ask us, why didn't you get it the first time? But Peter is giving us what Scripture tells us is his final testimony that we read. And 2 Peter chapter 1 is one of the greatest sections of Scripture from Peter, who was Christ's preeminent leader. God builds in concentric circles, and Peter, James, and John were his uh, three primary leaders, Peter being the primary one. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. How many of you know what a bondservant is? from the Old Testament. I'm going to just divert here. I've got a Bible that is not wanting to obey me. Usually the Bible wants us to obey it, but mine will not obey me and stay open. Uh, bond slave. Uh, the Old Testament lays the foundation for social structure. Uh, a number of us, in fact, Jan and I are just coming from a convention in Dallas this last week called the International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. It represents two or three million believers around the world. And the leaders from the, those nations, there's 70 nations involved in this group uh, that has a come together for an alliance. And... Uh, we are fellowshipping around the whole concept of discipling nations. How many of you know the Bible says go and make disciples of nations? We have not really known how to do that. We've evangelized nations. But evangelizing a nation is not the same thing as discipling nations. The evangelist leads people to Christ. Those that disciple help those who have been led to Christ to become Christ-like. Now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to the whole world right now of the church about engaging the nations so as to begin to repair the society and social structure that is going nuts. How many of you are aware the social structures of the world are in deep trouble? And wherever humanity is in trouble, what is God's answer? The church. The problem has been we in the church have neither taken the responsibility nor demonstrated the willingness nor the knowledge of knowing how to engage a church and the culture in that, in that society to bring Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God to that nation. The kingdom of God comes through people. Or put more perfectly, the kingdom of God comes to the earth in the Holy Spirit working through his people. 
And I wish we could talk about that at greater length. But by the grace of God, leaders, some who manage churches of 100,000 people, uh, there are numbers of churches that big in the so-called third world, who are convinced that the manifestation of Christ at this point in history is to the development of their nations and the removal of poverty, the removal of a whole lot of things that God hates, that that is the function of the church to bring justice and righteousness to nations. So this group uh, meets together every year and then it meets individually in all these nations, asking the Holy Spirit to show us how do we uh, manifest justice uh, in the nations to people. So Peter makes an amazing statement, and that's what I want to talk about here this morning. He says, I'm sorry, I got diverted for a moment. The bond slave thing. How many of you know that money does not solve poverty? Some of you are more down the road than others. Maybe you've never thought about that. How many of you know that God hates poverty? Poverty does not represent Jesus Christ, who is rich in every dimension. If money, if owning things is a sin, God is the chief of sinners. Are we clear on that? The socialists would have us believe that anyone who owns a lot of things is in sin or a thief. Then God is in sin and a thief because he owns everything. The fact that God owns everything brings an end to any argument that ownership by its nature is sin. Ownership is not a sin. Now what you do with what you own can bring sin, but ownership is not a sin. The biblical approach to dealing with poverty is discipleship. What a surprise. It's bringing people the skill sets that will allow them to overcome poverty in their own life. And in the Old Testament, a bond slave or a bond servant was someone who found somebody who knew how to create wealth and entered a seven-year contract with that person to serve that person until the end of the seven years. Do you understand? I am not making this up. Read the Bible, check it out. Now, at the end of the seven-year time, and of course Leviticus and Deuteronomy speak in great detail to the contracts between the one who is uh, making themselves voluntary, voluntarily a servant for that seven-year period, at the end of that time, they have the option to say, I don't want to be released from this relationship. It's full of life. You're giving me the ability to create wealth, so I will voluntarily become a bond slave. And at that point in time, they went to a wall and they created an earring and put an earring in their ear and they would serve that 
discipler the remainder of their life. Which is why in Israel, there was no lasting poverty because they were leveraging people out of poverty with skill sets. Is there anybody in here that thinks maybe discipling the inner city would be a whole lot more effective than throwing money at it and keeping the inner city dependent upon government? If you love somebody, set them free. And the only way you can set somebody to free is give them the power to become free themselves. Some of you have already heard a sermon if you can hear it. And when we talk about discipling nations, it is precisely these kinds of biblical truth that you don't get from reading school books. You get it from reading the Bible that will, in fact, liberate people and free people. So when Peter says, I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ, what he is, how many of you know he's talking to a bunch of Jews? He's not talking to you and I in that context. He's talking to the Jews, and they understood exactly what he was saying. He was saying, Jesus has taken uh, my life to the point where he is discipling me so I can be free, and I have decided to give him my ear and work with him forever. That's what a bond slave of Jesus is. How many of you want to be bond slaves of Jesus Christ? Lord help the rest of you which is what I'm going to be talking about. So Peter says, I am I'm a bond slave. And who is he writing to? A bond slave and an apostle, that is an authority figure. We could talk about that. An apostle of Jesus Christ. And here's the key phrase. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, have mercy. Help me. Help us. Next month will be marked the 50th year since this rebel encountered Jesus Christ, eyeball to eyeball. Do with that as you will. Now, my encounter with Jesus was not like you would probably think it was. All I will say about it, other than when you look in his eyes, you are going to have the thrill of thrills. And all of you will have that opportunity. By the way, what will you say to him when you realize that he knows what you're going to say before you say it? And he laughed at me as he saw me computing that truth and I decided to say I will slap my mouth and call myself Sally I got nothing to say 
Many of you know God can shut you up. Now, my encounter, believe it or not, because I'm a bonehead, did not result in me immediately going to church. In fact, Jesus did not tell me to go to church because he made me and he knew I was not ready for church and church was probably not ready for me. (laughs) I had no use for Christians, Jesus maybe, but not church. I was quite quite convinced, having gone through what I went through as a revolutionary in Berkeley in the 60s and civil rights movement and all the rest of it, smoked my share of marijuana and a bunch of others share too. I'm not bragging, I just want you to know where I was. And I was not ready to go to church. I was not ready to engage Christians because my prejudice against Christians was too strong. I was actually kind of convinced that if I became a Christian, two very negative things would happen to me. I'd have to get a lobotomy and castrate it, and I was not interested in either one. Now, that may be a little tough for you in the church, but I just want to declare this church a truth-free zone. Can I get a witness? If there's any place on the earth that we should be able to tell the truth, it should be church. Am I in the right place this morning? Okay. We need the freedom to tell it like it is in the church. How many of you know if we tell it like it is, there'd be a lot more unsaved people coming in here. Anybody love the earth people? I love the earth people. I want to see the church filled with the earth people because when you get here, we tell it like it really is. We're not tied up in religiosity that doesn't allow us to be real. So Peter makes this distinction, and it's this distinction this morning that I I want to talk about. He said he's writing to those who had received the same kind of faith that he'd received. Now we really need the Holy Spirit to help us this morning because we we could screw this thing up big time if you don't pay attention to the distinctives that I want to make. I want to say that there's more than one kind of faith being preached in the name of Jesus Christ today. I'm going to repeat that. There's more than one kind of faith that is using Jesus' name. Now, here's the tough part. That faith that is being preached It's not that it's wrong. It's that it's not the whole gospel. It doesn't give us what we need to represent Jesus Christ accurately, either in our own lives or as a people. 
Why was I uninterested in Christianity? Because I watched too many Christians do their trip. I watched selfishness. I watched isolation. I watched a church that was largely a ghetto where the life of that church was in meetings in buildings instead of changing the world that I, as a revolutionary, was compelled to want to change. Not just because I was some kind of a rebel, but because I love people by the grace of God. I don't want to see people suffer. I don't want to see people trapped. Now what triggered me was the racism in the country. We still haven't resolved it all. I don't want to see human beings dehumanized. And I saw too much of the church willing to let that go and give it a pass. I can't give some stuff a pass. Anybody else in the house besides me that can't give some stuff a free pass? I can't do it. So, when people would witness to me, and you, what's your name, dear? Sue. Sue, bless you. You actually wouldn't have wanted to witness to me. <laughs> you getting a picture here? You wouldn't have wanted to witness to me, and I'll never forget this really sincere, sweet girl witnessing to me about Jesus this, and Jesus did this for me, and Jesus died for me. You know what I heard? I didn't hear Jesus. I heard me, 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 me. Now, I was a rebel, and I was screwed up, but I was advanced enough as a human being to know the problem was I need someone or something bigger than me because me is the problem. Me is the problem. Put your finger on your chest and say me is the problem. I heard what I call baptized self. Holy Spirit, help me right now. Help us. My brother, help you. I don't want to be baptized self. The faith, the true faith of Jesus Christ, yes, God did all those things for us. It's 1,000% true. He did all those things for us. Why? so he could save us from us. The essence of sin is self-centeredness. Every single sin I've ever committed or ever will commit, my dear, is the same as yours. It's being centered in Dennis. It's being centered in what I want, what I think. It's being centered in me, 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 me. I want mine. 
I'm, I'm, I'm fallen just like every one of you. We are all the same. We're all, how many of you know we're all the same? Which is one of the really stupid reasons how stupid racism is. I want to start a club called the One Blood Movement. The Bible, now when all else fails, read the Bible. That's always been my philosophy. The Bible says, from one blood, he created all humanity. It's evolution that wants to tell us that some ethnic groups are more progressed than others. That's the essence of racism, is stupidity. Hey, Jack, you're darker than me. Your blood and my blood is the same. And what the DNA specialists are telling us is that the difference of skin color is one of the smallest differences between us. That is a fact scientifically. So what is the faith that we received? I did receive the faith of, of the blood of Jesus. I did receive the cross. I did receive the resurrection. But what I did not receive was the nature of the game. Because Peter goes on to say, and we'll look at it in a minute, that the faith I received tells me that the goal of the game is that you, Jonathan, and I are called to replicate the life and the nature of Jesus Christ himself. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, come on, man. Cool your jets. Are you trying to tell, yes I am, are you trying to tell me that salvation is not about moving me from point A to point B in the universe? Taking me from planet Earth to some place in heaven where we have an eternal retirement village where we can bore each other eternally with each other's testimonies. <laughs> Flit and flutter around, maybe we'll get wings. <laughs> See, that's when I heard Christians talk about heaven. I said, you know what, I'll take my chances in hell because there's too much life in me to want to be bored forever. I said it. Yeah, I actually said that. When you get saved, you get switched on. You become a human being on steroids. Life goes 3D.
But what kind of faith? Did you get the same fullness of the gospel that Peter got? Or is your Christianity, thank you Jesus that you died on on a cross so I'm not going to hell. For a baby, that's a wonderful foundation. That's exactly the foundation you need in what the Greeks called nepio. When you read about maturity in the Bible, the Greek language is using two different words. Nepio, which means a little child, and huios, which means a fully matured believer. A believer who gets it that the issue is not being a nice little boy or a nice little girl or making sure you don't burn in hell. That's a nepio's view but the real game is Christ is being formed in you so much that he is beginning to absorb and alter your personality. Tell me your name again. I like you. I like your hands. But I don't know what there is about me. I'm a little strange, I agree. When I was a little kid, I used to sit on the bus. Mom would take me, she'd bribe me and take me shopping downtown by buying me malts, chocolate malt. But I would sit next to people on the bus and grab their hands. How many of you know there's something in the hand of a human being? It's got life in it. It's got life in it. Are you operating on the same faith that was delivered to Peter? Peter was a stud. That's fairly clear. Even there in the Garden of Eden, he had not been practicing his swordmanship. Now, by the way, what was Peter doing with a sword and with Jesus? I am not saying dirty words. Some of you look at me like, what is... Yes, read the Bible. When all else fails, read the Bible. (laughs) Peter tried to cut the head off one of those guards that came to be with Jesus. And Jesus said, nice shot, but don't do that. And put the ear back on the guy. See, this, my problem is I read the Bible. Jonathan, that's the core of my problems. What, was, what were the disciples doing armed? I thought Jesus was airy-fairy and sweet. What were his followers doing armed with swords? Now, by the way, just touching that, the Bible tells me I'm to turn my cheek, somebody who's violent against me. He never told me to do that if you mess with somebody that's next to me. Don't mess with my wife. I will not turn my cheek. I will turn your cheek. (laughs) Are we clear? The feminization the 
American man is one of the Antichrist games that's being played right now. Again, my problem is I read the Bible. Read Isaiah 3, verse 2. The judgment of God on a society is to remove the spirit of the warrior first before the judge, before the priest, before the prophet. Why? Because if you take the spirit of the warrior out of the culture, there's nobody left who's willing to die for truth. Peter had a sword because he's willing to die. Now, Jesus didn't want that behavior in that situation. In another situation, he told his disciples to buy two swords. Now, that's a mind blower unless you read the end of the book. How many of you have read the end of the book? Jesus comes back riding a white horse. Now, that can be symbolic language. But he's leading an army. What is an army doing being formed in heaven? Some of you look like I'm saying bad words. (laughs) What faith did you receive? How deep was the message that you heard? Did you hear a message that Paul was speaking in Romans 8, 17 to 23, when he said the entire created order which has been screwed by sin is anxiously awaiting the sons and daughters of God to mature enough that we can bring redemption to the entire created world? Or did you get going to Jesus and getting wings and a white sheet, a little like the Ku Klux Klan, where you can bore each other forever? What faith did you receive? What faith did you receive? Did you receive a faith, like Jay had said, that gets it? That on one level, when I receive Christ, the angels are rejoicing, saying, welcome to eternity. And some of the angels are saying, welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL where everybody's big, everybody's tough, and everybody can hurt. Do you know that when, if you receive the faith that Peter received, what's your name, young man? Elliot. Elliot, Elliot. When you receive Christ, if you receive the faith that Peter received, you got a bullseye put on your chest, Pete. You got a bullseye, permission from God, and desire from the enemy to push you and test you because only in bringing tough stuff into your life could you go from a nepio to a huyos, from a little child to a matured man or a matured woman 
because Jesus is being formed in you. It's not about you saving your butt from hot fire. It's about you becoming a representative of Christ's nature. And in order to achieve that nature, you and I must suffer. Because suffering forces us to dig deep enough into the faith that we received to find out whether or not it's stronger than circumstances. Is your faith stronger than circumstances? I'm really sorry about those. I'm really, really sorry about those people who got killed. The world was mine. There should have been somebody packing in that church. And that's probably what's going to have to happen. Now, packing so that nobody can come in here and do that is a little different than turning your cheek because somebody is treating you not nice. If you think for a moment God wants us to passively sit by and watch others killed, then you have not read the Bible very clearly, let alone church history. The more passive we become, the more evil grabs our culture. You want a really evil culture? Produce a passive faith in the church. What kind of faith did you receive? Peter goes on to enumerate, and I'm coming down the home stretch here. Faith Peter received. He says, seeing that his divine power has been granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge not limited knowledge, the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And then he goes on to say, for by these things he granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them, look at this phrase, you may become partakers of the divine nature. I could give you a dozen scriptures that say exactly the same thing. I did not get saved from a fire when I received Jesus. I got a door to becoming a participant with the same nature that God the Father put in God the Son when he made him a human being. You're trying to be a good little boy or good little girl, good luck. 
you ain't going to make it. You will not make it unless and until you understand that it's actually God himself growing in you that is going to give you the strength and the discipline and the will to grow out of the stuff you're supposed to grow out of. Welcome to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter says, now for this very reason apply all diligence in your face, supply moral excellence. Moral excellence, add knowledge. To your knowledge, add self-control. If you got saved, your self-control should be growing. I don't care how much you speak in tongues. If your self-control is not growing, there's something missing in your faith. I want the same faith that Peter got. I don't want anything less. And in self-control, perseverance. How many prayers do I have to offer up to God that he doesn't answer before I quit praying? How many prayers? Godliness, brotherly kindness. And this is great. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, la seitomo shesatema kasandiriabatan. I have no idea what I said, but my spirit man just released a language. Now that phenomena is not to impress you or feel good. That phenomena is supposed to be manifesting something in my spirit that is increasing my capacity, my volume, clearing out Dennis, more room for the Holy Spirit to get a hold of my personality. More room is being created when I'm praying in tongues. These qualities are yours and increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful. Anybody in here feeling useless or unfruitful? It's because you did not catch the same faith. You're spared going to hell. But that is the beginning of the process, my friend. For those who lack these qualities are blind or short-sighted. So on and so on. Then I come down to this great verse, he says. He talks about practice. Where are you? I just, this new Bible is smaller. For, here it is, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain his calling and choosing for as long as you practice these things. Practice these things. The faith Peter received was a faith that says, if you will make room for the Holy Spirit, 
He will train you. You will begin to train. Now, being an athlete, one of the things when I became a pastor that blew my mind, I thought everybody knew how to train. Is there any musicians in here? Raise your hand if you're a serious musician. Anybody in the military in here? Anybody who's ever been an athlete in here? Okay. What did you do as an athlete? You trained. Peter said the faith he got brings the power of the Holy Spirit into his life to train in life. So that what does training do? Training makes instincts. Anybody who has ever trained knows training makes what you've trained instinctual. That's the point. That's the whole point. Where are the billions of Christians on the earth today who are training because they know that they got the same faith Peter got? They're training to practice the qualities of Jesus Christ, who though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. Love the Bible, open that verse up. So what am I saying? I close, what am I saying? We're in the foundation lane point right now in this church. This church is shifted. You were birthed on one foundation and you're shifting some of that foundation some of the older ones in here know what I'm saying. Doesn't mean the other foundation wasn't good, but it's not the foundation that God has called us to move forward on. We want to make sure that our foundation is built on the same faith that Peter, Jesus' right-hand man, if Peter got it wrong, then we are in a lot of trouble. I trust the faith that Peter received. I trust that Jesus Christ got into Peter exactly the faith he wanted to get into him. And I trust Peter's testimony that if these things are not growing and increasing, I don't really understand the fullness of the faith that I've received in Christ. May we, may Antioch Church become a church where the majority of the people and certainly all the older ones in Christ get it that Jesus is not here to help us not to go to hell and to be good little boys and good little religious people. His faith actually is going to bring the nature of Jesus Christ himself in us so that he can begin to replicate out there on the street and where you work and where you are seven days a week to manifest Jesus through you. God bless you.